0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth. And never a dull moment in the Patriots offseason, Alex. The the news cycle just keeps on churning. I don't even know where we start today. I think we got to start with the GOAT, but we're going to talk about Tom Brady. We're going to talk about the retirement snub that has everybody all hot and bothered. We're also going to discuss this lawsuit that just came out with Brian Flores and the New York Giants that includes a text message from Bill Belichick on the hiring process there for the Giants that Flores is calling a racist hiring process, which is fascinating. We're going to hit on Josh McDaniels officially and uh, Dave Ziegler being named as the Raiders head coach and GM pairing, which we talked about Last time, Alex, on Sunday, when we did the breaking news show on Josh McDaniels, and I said that I wasn't going to believe it until McDaniels was sitting there at the podium in black and silver. Well, we got that image yesterday, and that's a done deal now. And we will also discuss the ongoing Senior Bowl that we are seeing uh, right now. Currently, some clips going up on Twitter. NFL Network, of course, pulled their coverage of the Senior Bowl today uh, for Brady news and notes, I'm assuming, and talk. But Let's start with Brady. I've already blown my gasket earlier on the channel, Alex, about how ridiculous I think this entire snub or disrespect in the retirement post is. But I think the bigger thing I want to hit on, I do want to talk about some great Brady games and some moments because I'm disappointed and uh, bummed out that that's not what the story and that's not what we get to do today. I, I wish that we could sit here post Brady retirement announcement and just reminisce about all the good times. Right. And unfortunately we're talking about this kind of stuff. You can give your take if you want on the snub, but most importantly, I also wanted to ask you about where you think that things with this Brady retirement goes from here, right. In terms of do we get the ceremony in Gillette stadium anytime soon? Do we get the Jersey retirement? Do we get the Patriots hall of fame? Do you feel like this is still going to go the way that Patriots fans want it to go post playing career?
1: I would hope so. Yeah, I'm. I'm annoyed. I he could have mentioned the Patriots. I think actually, I think this is a page out of Bill Belichick's playbook. I think he's essentially using one of Bill Belichick's favorite lines here. Right when Bill Belichick doesn't want to talk about something, they release a statement. Uh, You know, he's done this a number of times, whether it was Brady leaving, whether it was uh, Cam Newton with the the issues with the COVID in training camp when Antonio Brown, remember all of it, right? He releases the statement and then he refers back to the statement. And I think this was essentially Brady telling New England, I already touched on it. And he did give not one, but two heartfelt statements back two years ago in 2020. He could have mentioned the Patriots again. He probably should have mentioned the Patriots again. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I I think it is unfortunate. You know, to me today was supposed, and I I expressed this from the moment he left, that my biggest fear was that Brady would no longer be a Patriot, having to share him with Tampa the way, right? Colts and Broncos fans have to share Peyton Manning. Today was supposed to be the day Tom Brady became a Patriot again. And instead it's been about how much Brady hates the Patriots. And I think that's really unfortunate um, I would love to just celebrate the man's career. It almost works out now that he got two retirements because we got to do that on Saturday, right? Right. Um, we finally found something Tom Brady doesn't know how to do well, and that's retire. Um, so I'm bummed about it. I will uh, I'll spend the day celebrating Tom Brady's accomplishments. Look, the thank you is the six rings. I couldn't, I couldn't, I was six years old. I had no idea what football was. I couldn't have cared less. He got me hooked on the sport. I absolutely love this game, Uh, you know, as much as I love anything uh, that I, you know, that I'm around and it's given me uh, so much joy over the years. It's given me a career, obviously, and Brady, you know, none of that happens without Tom Brady. So I don't need to thank you. The man's given me more than enough. I actually said to somebody, um, because I was on the air Saturday when it happened on the Sports Hub, um, which was an unreal experience just incredible experience to, to be somebody who went from being six years old to, to then get to tell Boston the news that he was retiring. Um, and I said, as you know, as a joke to my dad, I was like, he gave me one more, he gave me one more chance to kind of smile and have this, this out of, you know, out of body experience. So, um, I'm not going to chase the thank you. Should he have put it in there? Probably. I'm not going to lose sleep over the fact that he didn't, And uh, we'll move on. And hopefully he comes back. He gets his red jacket. We'll see if he does the one day contract thing. which by the way, everybody talking about, you know, he's still under contract with the bucks or whatever. Those one day contracts aren't real contracts. I just hope everybody knows that it's not legitimate. So anyway, um, if you want to get upset about it, get upset about it. I'm fine with that too. I understand it's personal for everybody. I just think I, he, he gave us more than enough. So
0: yeah, Look, I'm not trying to tell people how to feel. I think earlier I came off like I was trying to tell you that you shouldn't be upset about it. If you're upset about it, then be upset about it. But my personal feeling on it, don't be upset about it for long, right? Like this is not something that we need to hold over Tom Brady. And I think one of the most disappointing parts about this entire two years to me with Tom Brady, Alex, is that this has turned into this entire thing, right? With Brady of the divorce and him versus Belichick and why he left New England and now why he snubbed the Patriots in his retirement announcement. And all of this is just trying, in my opinion, to pit Tom Brady as an enemy here in Boston of all places. And that to me is just absolutely ass backwards. Like we don't need to do that. We don't need to make this out to be Oh, well, why did he do it? And he doesn't like the Patriots anymore. And he's sliding Patriots fans. It doesn't have to be that deep. I think he closed the chapter with New England two years ago. I think a lot of Patriots fans, once you can stomach it, because I'll admit that, you know, talking about the past and talking about Brady and Patriots uniform is not the easiest for everybody, but once you can stomach it, go watch man in the arena because that's a 11 part documentary series where 10 of the 11 episodes are about his time with the Patriots. And all he does is praise the Patriots, the organization, Bill Belichick, the entire thank you tour that Patriots fans are looking for that they wanted in this statement this morning about his retirement is all right there in documentary form on ESPN and on Hulu, right? So go watch that if you want that sort of thing. Why did he do this today? Ultimately, I think that he felt like he was closing the Bucks chapter of his career, because I don't think—and I, I could be wrong—because he is the second leadingest passer in Tampa Bay Bucks history.
1: He's second most in touchdowns. I don't remember about the other. I think he's the other number there in yards as well. He's got to be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But he's got the second most touchdowns. He won them a Super Bowl. So there might be some ceremonial stuff down there in Tampa Bay for Tom Brady as well at some point in time. But the way that I initially read this was actually him saying, I'm retiring from football. Thank you to the Bucks for the last two years. But now, now it's time to go home, right? And then because he didn't mention the Patriots – I see this unfolding in front of me that all of a sudden all these outcries come in that he didn't mention the Patriots. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I figured he didn't mention the Patriots because he, he's going to be mentioning the Patriots for the rest of his life. Right.
1: The rest of his off the rest of his post career is going to be about the Patriots, which would be great.
0: Right. Right. So I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, wait, he's going to, he's going to go into the hall of fame as a Patriot. He's going to, going into the Patriots Hall of Fame. His number 12 is going to get retired at Gillette Stadium. His statue is going to get built outside Gillette Stadium. They might name Route One Tom Brady Highway. Like, I don't know where it ends, right? Because it doesn't, you can't possibly do enough from my perspective to honor Tom Brady in, in the city of Boston, in the area of New England. So I'm thinking to myself, this was him being able to just put on there, okay, Bucks, thank you. Thanks for the ride the last two years. I'm moving on, right? And then now we start the Patriots chapter of his post playing career, which he hinted at in week four when he was here, when he said that he was going to be a part of the Patriots community in his post playing career. So I get why people are upset. I get why people feel snubbed. When it comes to the one day contract stuff, Alex, I don't know if I've given my full one day contract take on the air yet. You know how I feel about it in general I think it's a whole lot of blown smoke for no reason I don't think that Brady's that type of guy yeah. I don't think that he's gonna roll out want the red carpet rolled out for him and make this entire scene like that as much as we all as media and fans would love for him to do that I don't think that he personally wants that sort of thing done for him I, I think that he kind of feels like I'm going to go to Montana or Costa Rica with Giselle and the kids and disappear for a while. Right. I, I, that's sort of the way that I look at it with Brady. So I got to admit, and I, I'm not the person I, I, I don't do the conspiracy. I don't do the, why was this done this and that and the other thing. I don't do all of those types of things as well as other people in in our line of work do like i leave that to you guys at the sports up to tell me why i should be mad about something right so when i first read it i really did not feel like oh the first thing that came to mind wasn't he snubbed the patriots the first thing that came to my mind was oh he's closing the bucks chapter and now we're moving on to post playing career tom brady where he's back to being a new england patriot but now i guess we'll see if that ends up right. being the case.
1: Yeah. I I think I texted you about it. You know, like, Oh man, he didn't mention the Pats. I'm not so much. I'm more annoyed that this is going to be part of his legacy now. Like I don't care so much. Like that's That's the thing. It it, It was dumb for him not to do it. I don't really care that he did it or not, but the reason it was dumb is there's people acting like this takes away the six Super Bowls. right? There's people acting like this is the definitive Patriots, Tom Brady memory. Maybe if he never won here, Right. Maybe if, like Matthew Stafford had walked to, like, you know, maybe if Matthew Stafford retires and doesn't thank the lions. Like it's a little different. Right. But the, th- those six trophies still count. Right. I still have all those memories. Right. Right, This doesn't mean that J.R. Redmond or uh, a, a, um, Terrell Buckley or Richard Seymour or Mike cloud or any right. of the, uh, just random names. It doesn't mean any of them aren't still in my brain. I still have, like, I have a very cherished. It's, it's funny because it's the anniversary of Super Bowl forty nine. I have a very cherished personal memory that I'll I'll, I'll keep to myself. But I have a very cherished personal memory of Super Bowl forty nine, and people are acting like I shouldn't think about that today, right? That oh, he did it on the anniversary of the Malcolm Butler pick to take away from the memory. I still have that memory. I still know how I felt in that moment. I I I still, you know, am very thankful for that. I still am. And I just don't want to have – I don't care that he didn't do it. I just don't want to have to bring this up every time we talk about Tom Brady and when they do retire his number. Oh, but he didn't thank them in the post. Like I don't want to do that. It's weird. We get it's weird. We can mention it's weird. After today, let's put it to bed. After today, I really couldn't care. It's weird. It's fine to say it's weird. It's weird. I, I really don't care about it after today though.
0: That, that's exactly how I feel about it. That's what I was trying to articulate earlier and I got a little bit right. heated and, and wasn't able to clearly articulate it as well as I wanted to, is that it's weird, it's odd, it was a miscalculation on his part about the public reaction, but that's all it should ever be. This does not have to be a part of Tom Brady's legacy. I've seen people, and I get it, it's a vocal minority potentially on Twitter. Twitter's not real life. Our comment section's not real life. I love all you, but you're not real life right there's a whole lot of masses out there that feel differently but I'm sure if I turned on 985 today too Alex they would be having callers calling in and saying always have a sour taste in my mouth now about Brady you know this will always impact how I feel about Tom you know all that should not happen if you if that's how you feel from all this then you're being petty and ridiculous if you're upset right now in the moment that he didn't mention the patriots be upset if you hold right. this over him for the rest of uh, of time then that's on you. That's not on Tom right. Brady. Don't that's tell him. Doing it,
1: at that point, you're doing a disservice to him. And like, it's just, I just want to rem- like, the whole reason, I, I was actually excited when Brady retired, because, again, that's when he became a patriot again. Yeah. I just want to reminisce about the good years. That's all I want to do. It'd be nice if he's here for it. He doesn't have to be here for it. It'd be nice if he's here for it. But I just want to reminisce about the good years. That's really all yeah. I wanted to do.
0: Yeah, me as well. And that's that's the most disappointing part is that here we are uh, – you know just talking about this if you want an answer why i have said we've said why a million times i i personally think the why is because he feels like he's gonna have his his time to commemorate celebrate reminisce about his patriots days he he's 44 years old guys like he's gonna have another 40 years to talk about this right (laughs) like like i i think that that's the way that he's looking at if you're looking for a reason why He's going into the Hall of Fame as a Patriot. His number is getting retired at Gillette Stadium. He said he was going to be back here in his post-playing career and be a part of the Patriots community. I think the why is that he feels like there's bigger things to come with the Patriots in, in celebrating his Patriots career. I hope that that's the case. I hope that that's right. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today. And receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50 to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. I want to move on from this. The last thing I I want to hit on here, because I would be a little bit of a hypocrite after I said all day long that I wish that we were celebrating Tom Brady's career and talking about Tom Brady's career and reminiscing today instead of talking about this garbage. Let's talk a little bit about Tom Brady's career. Obviously, you can't put uh, five minutes of of show and and sum up seven Super Bowls, five Super Bowl MVPs, three uh, NFL MVPs, 19 Pro Bowls, six-time All-Pro, give me like your top one or two favorite patriots moments with tom brady favorite patriots memories with tom brady alex so the one for me
1: that i think encapsulates all of it and this is looking with hindsight i don't think we realized at the time what this moment meant um but he brady's not even on the field for this the 2 the 2014 divisional game against the ravens yeah go back and watch the clip when they're playing Josie, right, and the crowd's going nuts and the defense is on the field, and it's that fourth down coming up, and everybody, like, Bill's yelling, the defense, everybody's frantic. The crowd's going nuts. The Ravens are trying to figure out what's going on. And they cut to Tom Brady, and he's just cool as can be, tossing ball on the sideline. Yeah. Like, you you would think he's warming up for the first day of training camp. And that, like, like, what that, that whole, the whole vibe in that stadium at that moment was just – And I've talked about this before a little bit. I think that's what the Patriots dynasty really was. And I know that, you know, they still hadn't won the Super Bowl yet. And that was technically during a 10-year gap where they didn't win them. But it was a party. It was, we know we're better than you. You know we're better than you. Everybody knows we're better than you. And we're just going to go out and prove it, you know, no nonsense, no drama, no, none of this. That's the thing. People forget, you know, for all the drama between Brady supposed a drama between Brady and bill that really started in 2014, that Ravens game, it hadn't hit yet. Everything was still all good. The biggest, you know, question mark was, is Brady almost done? And then they go out and they go on that incredible run and all of that. Um, I think instead of a moment, you know, I said this on Saturday, if there's a word to describe Tom Brady, that I just think makes him so unique Tom Brady in the it's Tom Brady and the Patriots at their height. Tom Brady was inevitable. Yeah. That's the word with Tom Brady. It's, you know, you doubt, you know, what he did against the Seahawks in that fourth quarter, that is the best defense I think Brady ever played. It's certainly the best defense he ever played. In Personally,
0: season. I think that's the best game of the dynasty, just from a pure yeah. perspective on both sides of the football to do what he did in the fourth quarter,
1: and then to be down 28-3. And, you know, we're all sitting around. I remember watching that game. I was at my parents' friends, with my parents' friends. We're all sitting around on the couch at halftime. And, you know, you're down 23 in the Super Bowl. Some people are starting to talk about the offseason. We're sitting there. All right, they do this, 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 and this. They come back and we got a ball game. Right. And what do you know? They did this, 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 and this without breaking a sweat. And it was, again, it was an, it just felt inevitable. Yeah. And I don't know that any other athlete I mean, maybe, and it, it, frankly, if any other athlete comes close in the last 40, 50 years, it's David Ortiz, which shows us how lucky we've been in Boston, where you get that guy in that moment, it, it almost wasn't dramatic. Because you just knew what he you, – you already knew what he was going to do. You didn't know how he was going to do it, right? The Ortiz Grand Slam in 13, Brady right. 28-3, Brady coming back down 14 twice against the Ravens. Yeah. He was inevitable. And I don't know that there's ever been an athlete, at, at least positively inevitable. I think we can name some that are negatively inevitable. Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> I don't know that there's ever been an athlete that was inevitable. What he was going to do was inevitable the way Tom Brady did it. And that's, that to me sums up Tom Brady's career. It's as miraculous as it was at the same time, it was almost predictable, which yeah. is when you think about it is uh, give me goosebumps just saying that.
0: And what was so annoying to everybody else that wasn't a Patriots fan watching right. it is that how predictable because well,
1: they knew too. Yeah. They knew too.
0: Yeah. I, I think the thing that you said about him tossing the ball on the sideline when everything, all the chaos was around him, that to me is such a rare trait and i think a lot of people nowadays are searching for quarterbacks that can do things like that like a joe burrow has kind of have, has some of that cool factor right some of that that swagger and that that uh ability to in my mind tom brady had an ability that yeah in the moment when he made a throw if it was a touchdown if it was an interception he would show emotion, right? But the ability right. to move on from that play immediately, I think, is what stood out the most about him, even from an early age, even 01, 02, 03. Brady was able to not allow things to snowball on him, not allow mistakes to snowball, not allow things to get out of hand. And that's what always gave the Patriots such a, a puncher's chance in every single game. I also look at just from an individual game standpoint even though it didn't end the way that it, that we all wanted it to, there were so many moments in 2007 that I will never forget. Like that week one game against the jets where they come out. And I think Randy Moss had like 180 receiving yards on nine catches, a 51 yard touchdown from Brady. And immediately that thing was a wagon, right? You just knew right away week one that, Oh my God, Randy Moss can still play. And now he's catching the passes from prime Tom Brady. Who knew that at the time? that prime Tom Brady would last 20 years, but regardless that season was magical for so many different reasons. But I just remember, I think it was 38, 14 Patriots in week one. I just looked this up before we started recording. Randy Moss had nine catches for 183 yards in the touchdown when everybody in the world thought he was washed and he comes to the Patriots and lights the world on fire from the jump. I also look at some of the games earlier on. I will always remember that AFC title game in Pittsburgh. I thought that was one of the The one where he was sick. Yeah, he's sick. It's Brady's flu game. The Pittsburgh Steelers were 15 and one that year. The Patriots were 14 and two and were the number two seed in the conference, which I can't imagine has happened very many times, if at all, outside of that one instance, the Steelers are 15 and one. They get the number one seed. The Patriots go to Pittsburgh. They destroy the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Uh, Brady had the touchdown pass to Dion Branch. I think it's probably the most signature throw of that game. Rodney Harrison had a huge game on the defensive side of the ball for the Patriots. I think, did he have a pick six, Rodney Harrison, in that game? Or is it just a-, a uh, He had a pick. Jersey? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. His, the, my play I always remember
1: from that game is the Dion Branch end around where he's waving goodbye to the yeah. Steelers. Yeah. I like they, that one. They
0: absolutely destroy the Steelers. Yeah, in Ben's rookie year, that was one of the great early Brady games as well. That's what I wish we were talking about today. Well, we're talking.
1: W- don't even don't even put that qualifier on it. We're talking about it. We're controlling the narrative. Let me ask you this, Evan. Yes. Brady's one trait. Yeah. One defining trait, because he was elite at a lot of things. Yeah. And I'm not asking you to minimize any of it, but the one trait in your mind that made Tom Brady Tom Brady. That's such a good question. Do you want me to give my answer first so you can think about it? Yes. I think for as high as his football IQ was, and it was high, for the clutch ability, the leadership ability, for his accuracy throwing the football, for his movement in the pocket, all of that, which was some of those things he's the best ever at. What sets Tom Brady apart to me is the consistency. Yeah. And I mean that in two ways. You know, we're we're doing a lot of celebrating about guys like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I'm not saying those guys aren't great quarterbacks. Sure. But Mahomes really kind of sucked the first half of the year. Didn't he lead the NFL in interceptions at Halloween? Or he was yeah. up there or something like that? Josh Allen went three months without back-to-back games with a passer rating over 90. How many times did Tom Brady have a bad game in a season? Maybe one. I, I mean, it was every single week yeah. with him. And then the, the other level of consistency on that is he did it for 22 years.
0: The drive is what stands right. out to me. I think only, like all the yeah. the physical things, like obviously I could break down his game and talk about right. the accuracy and the, the decision-making in the pocket and the ability to get rid of the ball quickly and re-defenses and all these types of things. But I, I think that the drive, the competitive drive that he had and the one other mo- moment I wanted to mention that I think – is the encapsulates in a lot of ways the the Brady mystique. Yeah. Is in 28 to 3 when he's on the sideline going up and down saying we got to play harder, we got to play tougher, we got to play smarter and he's trying to rally the troops. And nobody in that moment believed more that the Patriots could come back and win that game than Tom Brady and yeah. that I think really it just encapsulates what he brings to the table like I guarantee you in a way, when the Bucks were down twenty-seven to three to the Rams in the divisional round, I guarantee you that they thought, "Well, this guy's come back to tw- from twenty-eight to three before, so we're fine, right?" Yeah. And that confidence and that ability to instill that confidence in the rest of your team, those were the types of traits that I, because you can compare arm talent you can compare accuracy maybe like uh you can compare supercomputer brains between Peyton Manning and Tom Brady right you can compare Joe Montana and Tom Brady's clutch gene you can compare those but that type of belief that we were never out of a game and that Brady was always going to rise to the top in any game that he played I I don't think that that will ever be matched by anybody. Like, I think that that's a, a trait that is one of one in, in Tom Brady's world.
1: Well, then, and then I think you add to it too. Again, there's been guys that have maybe done that for a window, right? Right. He did it for 22 years. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, ne- it's never going to happen again. And there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the league now. It, they're not. They're like. They're just not going to do. They they might match some of his statistical numbers because for the first half of Brady's career, he played in a different area. You couldn't throw the ball, right? right? He th- he led the league in touchdowns with twenty eight at one yeah. point in his career. Yeah, two
0: thousand two.
1: Right. Right. That's a completely so. Some of his numbers might get matched, but again, the the the, the right, here's the the one thing here's if, if I could put one Brady fact that will never be matched. He won two Super Bowls. 19 years apart. Right. That will never be done again. The average length he, of a hall of fame quarterback's career in the modern era, Evan yes. is 14
0: years. The guy had like four or five primes, right? We kept yeah. on saying, Oh, this is not just the cliff. It's not even that the cliff didn't come for him. Decline never came for him. He never got worse. He ever. never, he never regressed. We're, yeah. we're again, we're so
1: lucky in Boston. And I think you're starting to see this now with, with, with some athletes. All, for the most part, all of our favorite players for my generation, they got good and they stayed good. David right. Ortiz led the league in doubles at 40 years old in his final year. Patrice Bergeron is still arguably the best two-way forward in hockey. You know, Pearson Garnett faded, but they didn't do it here. They did it in Brooklyn. Our generation of Boston sports fans, Yeah. in terms of, you know, the elite athletes, who did we really see fade? I guess maybe Dustin Pedroia. Yeah, You'd be the
0: only one, right? Yeah, yeah, Pierce and KG, maybe a little bit, but again, hard they did man. they kind of did that in Brooklyn, they didn't really do it here. Yeah, yeah, his body started to
1: give out yeah, on him at the end. Of he was getting hurt a little bit, you're right. But yeah. the point being, like, so I'm making it sound not real, but in football, you know, again, I look at a guy like Josh Allen, who again had a great year, that guy gets hit a lot, right? He takes a beating. You're telling me he's going to do – what's he been in the league? Four years, right? Yes. So you're going to tell him – you're telling me he's going to do that for another 18 years, which keep in mind his opponents are only going to get bigger and faster and stronger over those 18 years. He's going to keep doing that. Patrick Mahomes – get look at that offensive line. Patrick Mahomes takes a beating. Yeah. He's going to do that for another 17 years and mix six rings in there. It's just – it's it's not going to be done again. It's not going – It's never going to happen again. I don't care how good you think they are, Burrow, Herbert, Lamar, whoever. Right. The circumstances, the way Brady was wired mentally and physically,
0: and the way the league works now, it's never going to happen again. Never. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for letting us divulge into Brady a little bit there. I know that some of you guys want us to talk about this Patriots team and look forward but if you are a patriots fan and you can't look backward and appreciate tom brady for a few minutes then uh, this might might not be the right show for you i mean just put it to you that way right alex i mean like i wasn't gonna get nostalgic this you gotta let us have this one all right and we're gonna have it again when he retires his number we're gonna have it again when he goes into the hall of fame in 2027 which by the way he does have to wait i get it's a process but it's a little bit ridiculous, but that's besides the point. Um, so here's what I'll say though, on in terms of the one day contract, it's essentially yeah. just an
1: extra one of those days. Right. I, I get, I get, you, you don't need it. I don't need it, but I want all of the Brady. Like I want the Jersey retirement. I want the, the Patriots hall of fame, the NFL hall of fame, the one day contract, like spread them out. Yeah. Spread them out. Give me as many of them as possible over as long a period as possible like that. So that to me, that's where I'm at with the one day contract. I don't need it but it's one extra day to celebrate Tom Brady. So I'll take it. Like, that's how I feel about it.
0: I agree. All right, let's move on here and talk about, well, I guess let's talk about this Brian Flores Yeah, story. I think we- Completely changed directions here. Yeah, the story has been evolving as Alex and I have been on the air here. So I'm trying to keep up with everything that's going on. The Giants just released a statement. Brian Flores, from what I understand, reading uh, as quickly as I could here, has sued the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, and the Denver Broncos in a class action lawsuit claiming that they had a racist process for their head coaching hirings and then I believe Miami it's more towards about his firing and the handling of his situation there towards the end of his Miami tenure with the Dolphins. Bill Belichick is named and not only named but there is a private text message between Bill Belichick and Brian Flores where Bill Belichick I believe made a mistake and meant to text Brian Dable and texted Flores by mistake congratulating Dable on getting the head coach job before Brian Flores even interviewed with the Giants for the head coaching gig. So some questions here. I don't know if we have enough information at this point in time to give a real take on who's right or who is wrong in this situation, but I definitely look at this. And I would also say that Brian Flores has also said that the dolphins tried to pay him to lose games during his time in Miami which is also not great. I look at this and I, I say, I get what Brian Flores is going for. I can tell you right now, it's an uphill battle in any court system in the United States to file a class action like this and win against the NFL. The NFL is a private enterprise. They, As long as they, they can prove that they interviewed and do their did their due diligence, whether they believe that Brian Flores was actually in the running for their vacant head coaching positions or not, is not really the point, right? Like, unfortunately in the real world, just the same as in the NFL, when you're dealing with private businesses, businesses make hires all the time that are because people know people or people have connections to the inside or whatever, right? I mean, there's a million reasons why these things happen with the giants, Brian Dable, you know, they they hired a bill's disciple to be the general manager And then they hired Brian Dable in a lot of ways. It's not that different than what the Raiders just did with Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. Right. Right. So this is what happens now. I feel for Brian Flores having said that because it is crystal clear to everybody that watches football and that watches it at the levels that we do Alex, that Brian Flores is one of the best 32 coaches in the NFL he deserves to be a head coach in the national football league. He's one of the best 32 guys at it in the world. But the problem is, is that it's not always about who's the best in these situations. Sometimes it's also about who, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't know that it's a right or wrong thing. And I, I don't know. I'm texting some, some legal experts right now saying like, it's, Pro it's it's a tough case to win. Very it's tough. probably more just he wants this out there and this is the way to do it. Right. And he's putting his career on the line here. So you know what's something he feels strongly about as he should and credits him for that. Um, and I think that's more what this is about. I, I again I'm not a legal expert, I can't tell you if he's gonna win, what he would win, what it would mean. I don't know. But um I think it's stuff that you know we've kind of heard about happening and now it's all right there and it's in front of us and it's laid out. There's a story about the Denver Broncos and him interviewing them a few years back where they showed up late and drunk to his interview. Like, I mean, that's just unprofessional. Like you don't do that. Stuff. Right. That's just a lack of person to person respect. Right. Um, so I, that's kind of just where I'm at with. It. I I think we kind of, we, we, again, we knew this stuff goes on in the background. Um, for a while now, the Rooney rule has been something that's in question where does it really help? Is, is it really helping to further the, the case? of minority coaching candidates, minority general manager candidates, what have you, or is it just essentially a box to check and teams will do what they do? I think the new rule where you reward the teams for developing these coaches instead of hiring them, I I think that makes a lot more sense, right? Yes. Um, What do you do with the Rooney rule now? I don't know. I'm not an expert on all that, but I think it just kind of highlights it. And again, I think the league has done, uh, you know, again, I like that new rule. I think that certainly helps further the cause,
0: but I think it just highlights still how far the league has to go. So when Brian Flores was fired by the Dolphins, Mike Tomlin was the one black coach in the entire NFL. One out of 32 teams had a black yeah. coach heading the ship. And in a league that's obviously dominated by black athletes and looking at this about how many minority coaches are on staffs, that is a ridiculous number. We all know that. We all know that that's a problem, right? That there is only one minority coach. Well, one black coach. Robert Sala is also a minority technically. Um, but looking at it like that, that's a big concern for the league moving forward. I think and these processes are a big concern to a degree, but at the same time, like I come back to, it's unfair. It's an unfair process. But I also would say that in a lot of ways, when Joe Schoen gets hired by the Giants, everybody knew Brian Dable was his guy. They did did what they had to do by interviewing other candidates. They interviewed Leslie Frazier. They interviewed Brian Flores. They interviewed Kevin O'Connell, I believe, got an interview as well from the Rams. They interviewed other candidates, but everybody knew that their guy was Brian Dable. With the Raiders, they take him as a package deal, right? Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, that one was obviously about connections and relationships and things like that. And I look at some of these other minority candidates, I hope Byron Lefwich gets the Jacksonville job, but because he is not wanting to work with Trent Balky, which can you blame him? Don't blame him at all, but because yeah. of that, he might not get it, right? They might have to go in a different direction because they don't want to fire Trent Balky. So, man, it is a this is this is what happens like this, like we you and I have dealt with politics like this in our daily lives, too. And I'm sure everybody has that. That's over the age of you know working age. That's living in the real world. You deal with these politics all the time in, in the in the workplace. Right. With interviews and who gets a job and who doesn't get a job. I, I feel for Brian Flores. I, I don't know where this goes for him. I, I don't know what more we can really say about it at this point. it, it It's just a, a an unfortunate situation. And uh, one last thing i I want to spin it a little well, bit i i I would sure. just say
1: one other thing on this is yeah. the the league might have to have Stephen Ross sell the team. yeah, I think that needs to be considered. If, he, if
0: he was truly paying Brian Flores under the table to lose football games, then absolutely.
1: Well, so there there so there's that, which is a massive 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 problem, I would say equally as big of a problem. And I don't know if you did, if you didn't get to the seven after the 2019 season immediately at, or I think it was during the 2019 season I have to go back and find the exact quote basically before Brady was officially a free agent, apparently Stephen Ross leaned hard on Flores to recruit Brady, which would have been tampering right to the point where he set up he basically pulled a parent trap. He set up a lunch for Flores at a, I think it was like on a boat or at a restaurant near a boat, somewhere with a boat. He set up a lunch for Flores at an establishment where he knew Brady would be without yeah. telling Flores, Brady would be there. And when Flores found out, he left in Flores alleges after that point, it all went downhill and, and Ross got very cold towards him. So basically if he fired Flores, because, and this isn't, isn't including the racial component of it. Right. If he if he fired Flores because one he refused to lose games on purpose, yeah. And two, because he wouldn't tamper and illegally recruit Tom Brady, then he needs to go. Then right. he can't run that team. Then that team's never going to be able to operate within the the regulations of the NFL. So, yeah. you know, that's again before the racial component. Obviously, the racial component's a part of it. And let it be a reminder to everybody too: tanking only happens from the general manager level up. Right. Coaches and players have no incentive to tank. They're all playing for their jobs, but, um on top of all of it. Yeah. I, I think the league needs to take a long hard look at Steven Ross's ownership in Miami because that franchise has been a mess for a while now, you know, decades. And to see something like this, that's not an owner. The league should contend with, especially, especially if he's trying to throw games in the league who's going to have these gambling deals. Yeah. You know, again, that's not the main point here, obviously, but I think there needs to be a really close look at Stephen Ross's ownership of the Miami Dolphins because that – talk about conduct detrimental to the league in honor of Tom Brady's career. Let's bring up the phrase conduct detrimental to the league. Stephen Ross, multiple occasions, conduct detrimental to the league.
0: Yeah. So another thing that's clearly not the number one story about this lawsuit that I do want to mention, though, is a lot of people, myself included, I think Alex, you included as well, would love – to see Brian Flores back here in some capacity. If he doesn't get one of the 32 head coaching jobs, him putting a private text message with Bill Belichick on the front page of his lawsuit, page number one, a text from Belichick that also has Belichick making a kind of careless mistake and looking a little bit like an idiot, quite frankly. I, I would really like to hope and think that bill somehow signed off on this but at the same time knowing that it's going to be public record and knowing that it's going to get out and seeing how that text message looks and getting bill involved in the first i don't know there's a lot of things here that i wonder now how much would bill want brian flores back at this point right that he's suing the nfl that he's putting his name on lawsuits and all those types of things I, again, I hope that, that this is Bill signing off on something like this, but I don't know. I I do wonder. So it's
1: there also may be a con And again, I'm not a legal expert. I don't know exactly. There might be some complication where if he's engaged in a lawsuit with the NFL, he can't be, he can't work for an NFL team. So there, there could be some, I I don't know for sure. There could be a complication there. I would think Bill, I I, I do think Flores respects Bill. I do. Um, And yes, Obviously, I I think Bill also respects Flores. I, I, you know, um, I would think Bill signed off on that. And what a great showing that would be for Bill with Brian Flores, where there's a real chance he just put his career on the line. You know, if Bill said, you know what, you should be a head coach, but you're too good to be unemployed. Let's let's get you back in here. Let's get you back in the league. Um, I think that would be a great gesture from Bill if he didn't frack bring Flores back assuming Flores can and wants to come back.
0: Yeah. Okay. Moving on here. Now I want to talk about Josh McDaniels, the Raiders Patriots offensive coordinator position here, moving forward. McDaniels up there at the podium yesterday in black and silver, getting introduced as the Raiders head coach. There were some moments there where I thought the look on his face was kind of like, did I make a mistake? You know, maybe those were just some of the freeze frames that we got, right? <laughs> uh, some of the confused looks or the bewildered looks uh, of, josh mcdaniels but i've gone back and forth on this so many times because i think that there's there's so there's definitely two schools of thought here that are both correct and i think that's what makes this thing a little bit tricky for me josh mcdaniels is a good football coach right he is a good football coach i think that's a fact that it can't be disputed at the same time on the other hand the patriots might benefit from having some fresh ideas and having some fresh perspective on the offense right so both those things can be mutually exclusive. Like they can both be true, Uh, but I I have a tough time looking for where they go from here in terms of, you know, do they, is this a good thing for the Patriots? Ultimately that Josh McDaniels is out of the building because he lost a good football coach with tons and tons of experience that's coached at the highest level in the biggest of games. But you also have to recognize that at times the offense has not been what, the Patriots needed to be moving forward.
1: Yeah. So I, I don't know that we can fully answer that question yet because we don't know who's replacing him. Right. I think if they bring in Bill O'Brien and it's seamless with Mac Jones and he can add some of that more modern stuff into the offense. I I, I don't know that it's necessarily a good thing McDaniels left, but I don't know that it's a bad thing either. Right. You kind of took that next step. That's the NFL. That's what happens. Um, if they bring in somebody who's over their head and suddenly Mac Jones play looks shaky and the offense takes a step back. Yeah. Then yeah, you're going to wonder, wow, what, you know, if McDaniels had stayed would well, they've kept making progress. So I don't want to take a total cop out answer, but you, again, I don't think he can answer that question without knowing who's next. I think they have a very, it it, it creates a big time situation and a very important decision for Bill Belichick here. And you know, let's hope he gets it right. But You know, was it when Bill O'Brien left? I I remember people talking about, well, is this a bad thing that Bill O'Brien left? And boom, Josh McDaniels comes back and they win three more Super Bowls. So let's see. Let's see how that goes first.
0: So I, I, I agree with you that you need to see the higher first. I also agree with something that you just said about how big of a decision this is for Bill Belichick. I think everybody understands the gravity of that, right? I think that we recognize Mac Jones in his second season, young quarterback, trying to usher in a new era of Patriots football, all that type of things, the rebuild, all of it. This to me is a potentially career swinging move. And I know that that sounds really like, you know, um, big, but what I mean by that is he cannot just, to me personally, unless they really feel very strongly about some of these in-house candidates losing a a coordinator like Josh McDaniels with that kind of experience with that kind of responsibility and replacing him with Mick Lombardi is a tough stretch for me. I I think you really need to get somebody like a bill O'Brien that has coached before in the NFL at that level that has coordinated that has called plays. Maybe that's even been a head coach because that is such a big role and such a big responsibility with the young quarterback that I, I just, I have a really tough time going to promote from within route. And I I, I think Troy Brown's going to be a good coach in the future. I actually think Nick is a pretty good coach and Mick Lombardi very well might be a very good coach who knows, but to promote one of those guys and give them play calling duties, give them mentorship of Mac Jones without being experienced with, coaching experience at this level at that magnitude of that rank in the hierarchy uh, to me when i look at what's gone on on the defensive side of the football the fact that he's given steve so much power over there i feel like if he just promotes from from within and promotes one of his his assistants from within it it sounds to me a whole lot like what's going on on defense right like it it really feels to me like a little bit especially and and no offense i'm i'm not saying anything negative about a guy like Mick Lombardi but that definitely sounds a lot like what what happened with Steve right you promote your one of your best buddies sons to oc you know right um this is a decision that i think needs to be done, handled a lot better than how they handled the coaching hierarchy on defense i guess is the point i'm trying to make they need to get somebody in here that has experience, that has chops, that has coordinator experience, that has maybe, like I said, been a head coach. This cannot—I see a lot of the, like things out there that this cannot be Brian Hoyer, right? This cannot be Troy Brown, in my opinion. This is there's too much on the line for those. Here's the other real right? quick. Here's the other thing to remember about Brian Hoyer. People keep saying, "Make Brian Hoyer the
1: quarterbacks coach. Make Brian Hoyer the OC." That's great if he wants to do that. Yeah. What you people need to under, understand first off, there's going to be a market for Brian Flores to be a backup quarterback, whether it's in New England or elsewhere. What he did with Mac next year, he has a job in the NFL if he wants it. Yep. He's going to, as a backup quarterback, he's going to get paid close to 10 times what he would get as a quarterback's coach or an offensive coordinator. Okay. And he has so, to work
0: half the hours doing it, by the way. Right. Yeah.
1: So look, if he wants to step away and coach, He's more than ha- ha- welcome to step away and coach. And then, yeah, I think making him the quarterback's coach is an excellent idea. Would you take, a, again, would you take a tenth of your current salary to work twice as much and you don't get to still be, you know, living out your your childhood dream of a career? Probably not. So just remember that when it comes to to, to Brian Horry. You're asking him yeah, to work a lot do. of money when you want him to be
0: a coach. So I threw out a bunch of names. We've thrown out a bunch of names about who could possibly succeed McDaniels. In my opinion, I think the Patriots need to get two guys to replace Josh McDaniels. I don't think one guy is enough. I think that Bill O'Brien comes in, calls, plays, and gets the offensive coordinator title. And I would also think about bringing in a full-time passing game coordinator as well, like some of these other teams have, whether that's a Joe Brady, whether that's taking a chad o'shea out of cleveland whether that's a zach robinson right a former patriots backup quarterback in los angeles I, i think that you need to get two guys to replace one here because mcdaniels was so entrenched in this system so entrenched in what they were doing here and in the program that i'm not sure that one guy is enough to replace all that josh mcdaniels did for the patriots offense I think that it can be fresh ideas. I think that they can benefit from all that sort of stuff. But I really think that they need to have a really good structure on the offensive side of the ball. And if it was me, I would definitely look at replacing McDaniels with two people. And I personally would vote for Bill O'Brien and a guy like Joe Brady. I don't think that will happen. I think it will be more connection than that. Maybe Bill O'Brien calls up Tim Kelly, his offensive coordinator in Houston, and brings him with him to the Patriots as a quarterback slash pass game coordinator. I just, I think that we're underestimating just a little bit because we are excited to see what this offense could turn into under different hands and under a different vision. We're underestimating a little bit all the responsibility that Josh McDaniels had, right. And all the things that he did and all the things that he touched on, he was able to run the offense by himself. He was able to run the offense as a one man show in terms of being like the head coach of the offense, Now I think like they need to be able to have multiple guys that are like that. And I'm just not convinced about any of the guys that are in house, to be honest with you. I I just don't know if any of those guys can really uh, bring on any more responsibility than they already have.
1: I agree. Again, I, you know, I want a veteran. I want a guy who's been there, done that. And that's O'Brien. Maybe it's Chad O'Shea. Yeah. That's kind of where I, I don't buy the Joe judge thing. I know you're in on Joe judge. I don't buy Joe I don't, Judge.
0: But the thing is, is I don't buy Joe Judge as the play caller. But if they want to bring in Joe Judge just to have another adult in the room on the staff, then then that's a different story, right?
1: You know, Okay, it, it, bring Joe Judge back as a special teams coordinator. He doesn't need to be... Sure. be a, they can get another adult in the room on the offensive side of the ball. Go get Kevin Falk. Uh, I know Deion Branch just took his new job at Louisville, but maybe you can yeah. convince him to, that that's a quick stay or something. Let Joe Judge do special teams.
0: Sure. Joe, Judge can do special teams. I, again, I just think that they got to get two guys. And uh, if I, especially, especially if Ivan fears is actually going to retire as well, because if they're losing McDaniels and fears in the same offseason, then they got to replace a ton of brain power on that offensive side of the ball. And, and I think that they need to go out and get multiple guys to fill those shoes. I, I don't think that it's as pr- simple as, Oh, we're going to promote Vinny Sinceri, from assistant running backs coach to running backs coach. And we're going to bring in Chad O'Shea to be the coordinator. Right. I I don't think that right. that's enough uh, for that, that side of the football. What are your thoughts on McDaniels and with the Raiders though? Do you think that this is going to work out? Because something in, it tells me, I'm not saying he's going to win a super bowl there. I, I'm not saying he's going to start a dynasty in, with the Vegas uh, in Vegas, but I actually think he's going to fare a lot better this time around than he did last time.
1: I, I, you know, I think he can have success there. The real question to me is, what do they do with the quarterback? Right. And he was pretty non committal when it came to Derek Carr yesterday, like one way or the other. And I, I didn't expect anything different. I didn't expect him to say, yeah, we're going to sign him to a new 10 year dealer. Yeah, we're going to move right. on. But they can kind of go either way. I feel like the Raiders might push him to get a new quarterback because isn't that why you hire
0: Josh McDaniels after what he did? Not from this class, though. Like, that's the thing. If I'm Josh McDaniels, I'm not latching my wagon to any of the No, no, no. But that's
1: the thing. Like, you have another year at Carr. So, I mean, maybe you take a guy in the third round, fourth round this year, right? You you see, you take a flyer, but um, you give Carr one more year and and then you go look at it. I think Carr is a good quarterback for Josh McDaniels' offense. So if they do stick with him, I think there could be something. The other thing is that division's just so tough yeah. with Mahomes and Herbert and probably Rogers, right? We think Rodgers is going to Denver. Absolutely. So um how how long of a, you know, how long of a leash do they give him? That's the other thing. Yeah. They might win. Like they realistically, if they win the next let's say the next three years, what did they win this year? Ten games, 11 games? 10 Let's games. say that let's say they win double digit games the next three years. There's a real chance they miss the playoffs all three of those years, winning double digit games. Like yeah. So is Josh Mutanius a failure or what? It's a really interesting spot. I think, you know, does he succeed? It depends how you want to define success. I think he's going to win football games. I think he's going to have the Raiders competitive. Look, if he can get a quarterback like a Mahomes or a Herbert, then that would be a home run. Um, but I think he'll be all right. It's just a matter of how long his leash.
0: Yeah. Well, that's kind of why I think that he wants to sit, hang on to Derek Carr because if you draft a quarterback and we've we've seen this how many times? When you draft a quarterback, you well, got to make. He drafted last time, right? Sure. Or we can look at you know Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky, or Brian Flores right. and Tua, or whatever comparison. Well, remember, Brian Flores didn't want Tua. That's true. Remember that. You can make any any of those marriages, right? If McDaniel's, they're not going to draft a quarterback at least in the first round this year. But let's say they draft the quarterback in the first round next year and move on from Derek Carr. Now, the McDaniel Ziegler experience rides on them making that quarterback work. Right. Right. If that quarterback tanks, then they're going to get fired. But with Derek Carr, I feel like they have some stability there and they probably are a 9 10 win team next year. So I think that's the way that they're looking at it. I think McDaniels might've learned his lesson with Tim Tebow. And and I know that Tebow just wasn't a good quarterback in the NFL. Now it's just a bad pick because of a talent evaluation thing, but hitching your wagon to the young QB when you don't have the job security of, let's say like a bill Belichick, right. Is, is a really tough thing to do for a coach that's on his last leg. Like if Josh McDaniels doesn't make it work this time, he's never going to be a head coach again in the NFL. So I, I, that's the way that I look at it with McDaniels. I want to talk some senior bowl stuff. I, I wish we had more information right now on who the next OC for the Patriots is going to be, but it's pretty quiet on that front. We're probably going to be in a holding pattern. For, I would say for another couple of weeks, if not months, this is one of those things where the guy just kind of shows up well uh, at, at any camp, but when we get there in uh in June or July, and he's just kind of there. Right. Did like, I say it, it on
1: the last show or did I say it on a different show that I think the longer it goes, the more likely it is. It's it's O'Brien.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. All right. Uh, Senior Bowl. Unfortunately, um, we did not get to watch practices today. Uh, They took that off the air. I've seen some tweets. I've seen some things about the tackle play from Brandon Thornton on Twitter, who's a great Twitter follow for offensive line and defensive line. But a lot of the big names, unfortunately, did drop out, Alex. Uh, No Devin Lloyd, no Jahan Dotson. But uh, any names that you've seen on Twitter today, or anything that we didn't already mention uh, earlier, the Lozad on Sunday or whatever it was when we did the Senior Bowl preview, uh, is there anybody else that you wanted to touch on?
1: Well, I'll give you this one right now. I'm actually just seeing this Oregon safety Verone McKinley was just added to the roster an hour ago, according to Jim Nagy. So he wasn't at practice today, but it sounds like he'll be there tomorrow he's one of my favorite safeties in this draft, potentially a day two pick. And I think this is something I've been high on. I know the report out there right now is Devin McCourty's coming back. Even if he does, I think you need to have his replacement ready. I think that's a guy you need in the building with McCourty to learn from him for McKinley, There's not a ton of great free safeties in this draft for McKinley's one of them. So he's a guy I'll, I'll definitely um, have an eye on. I, 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 that's pretty cool that he just got added. I, I guess Jaquan Brisker backed out of the last minute, who's another safety I really like. So that works. Um, one of the few clips I saw today, Travis Jones, the nose tackle from UConn, just absolutely blowing up some linemen for Michigan. Uh, I think there's a chance Patriots are in the market for a nose tackle. So Travis Jones another guy. Um, you know, I still got my names all written down and everything. But um, in terms of what I saw, I'm trying to think, was there anybody else that, like, I saw clips of today? Oh, um... It was uh, Christian Watson from North Dakota State, apparently got a heavy workload. He's a guy, uh, you know, kind of that sleeper, third, fourth round, small school guy, but a lot of people are really high on him. 6'5, ran a 4, 440 in training last summer. So looked like he had a busy day. You can, by the way, you can see the list on 985thesportshub.com. Can't hear you. Are you muted? Is Evan muted? Am I the only one who can't hear him? Still can't hear you. Can nobody else hear Evan, or is it just me?
0: Know what happened? There one he second. is.
1: There he is. No, we got
0: you. You got me now. Yeah. Jeez. This thing gets a little bit finicky. I am not. I was not muted. It was a. I don't know what happened. Anyways, um, tackles. Uh, I saw some clips of O line, D line, one on ones, and uh, some of the tackles that I liked that I have watched. Didn't do so hot, Alex. So uh, I think that's going to be something to keep looking for and uh, keep, uh, you know, seeing with guys like, uh, I know everybody saw Daniel Falele, I think I'm saying that correctly, from Minnesota. Six foot eight, 381 pounds. That is a big boy. Unfortunately, apparently in back-to-back one-on-ones, he gave up the edge on the first one, and then he got a bull rush to the ground on the second one. Palele, a 380 pound guy getting bull rushed and pancaked to the ground by, I know one-on-one rep is not great, right? You don't want to see right. that. The other guy that I thought was, might be interested to the Patriots is um, the tackle from Central Michigan. I'm going to butcher this name too. Bernard Raymond, I think is how you say it. And uh, he's a tight end to left tackle convert. Got some Brian O'Neill, Nate Solder type vibes with him going on, but he's an older prospect. so those guys typically you kind of see what you get, right? They don't, you know, their developmental tracks are not quite as advanced as some of the younger guys. He also got blown around the corner today, too, and one, one-on-one rep. These are just a couple of reps. And we know from training camp that you don't want to, uh, you know, get, take too much out of just a few reps, but I like both those guys as day two tackle prospects for the Patriots. It doesn't, it t- doesn't look like they had a great first day at the senior bowl. So that'd be interesting to keep, Uh, monitoring moving forward i don't know if you i'm assuming you saw this alex in the measurements yesterday roger mccreary has like the shortest arms in the world i mean i'm exaggerating but like he's got 29 inch arms yeah which i'm telling you i know it's crazy i know it sucks i think it's personally stupid but in a lot off the board in the first round for probably every single team you just don't draft one percentile arm length corners in the first round. I know it's archaic. I know it's thresholds and measurables and all that kind of stuff. And the Patriots have at times, like with Isaiah Wynn, they've gone outside the measurable check boxes, right? And they, they've they taken guys that are just great technique guys, but short arms on a corner uh, that you hope that can play on the outside. That's usually a recipe for a guy that's going to fall out of the first round, and McCrary's got first round cover talent, right? He can really stick with guys, and especially press man. But I don't know if he's going to be on the Patriots board as high as the first round anymore with that measurement. Yeah,
1: I think with him, the other thing is too—he's listed at six one by Auburn and came in at five eleven. Yeah. So you're just talking, you know, the Patriots. He's a really good man corner, but you talk about length, he just doesn't have it anywhere. The biggest measurement thing for me was Troy Anderson coming in at two forty two. Because we've talked a lot about these, you know, the Patriots compromising, not the 260-pound pure downhill linebacker, but not right. the 220-pound guy that's essentially a safety, somewhere in the middle of that 240, 245 range. Troy Anderson played at 230 in college. If he's now going to come in at 240, i we were texting about Anderson a little bit last night. For those of you who don't know who Troy Anderson is, yeah. went to Montana State, was recruited to Montana State as a running back. Then he played quarterback. He was an all-conference quarterback. Then he switched over to linebacker, was an all-conference linebacker, went back to quarterback, went back to linebacker, and was the FCS defensive player of the year this year. He's got great athleticism. He's got a monster football IQ. You know, having played both sides of the ball at that high right. of a level, he's somebody I think the Patriots would really like. And the fact that he's a little bit on that bigger side, you know, I, I he could make a lot of sense. He's a day three pick because his game's still a little raw by nature of moving all the positions. He's a great athlete. He's smart as hell. And if he's going to be a little bit on that bigger side where he can meet some of these blockers in the hole, I think he makes a ton of sense for the Patriots. So that was my big takeaway from the measurements, at least. Don't sleep on my guy, Mama. I love me. Oh, some he's the- really good. Chad Mum yeah. really good, but here's the thing. They're going to look at it. And I'll let you explain Chad Mum in a second, but yeah. they're going to look at it as Chad Mum in the second, Troy uh, Anderson right. in the fifth. You're right. You're right. Right. But anyway, but Chad Mama,
0: you might as well get people soaked up anyway. Or in past drafts with the whole tiers or bucket system that the Patriots use. And they they look at it and they say, Chad Mama, how much better is Chad Mama than Troy Anderson? Probably not that much better, right? We're not talking about a guy that's a first round talent versus a guy that's a sixth round talent. We're talking about a guy that's both guys are in that 50 to 150 range, right? And they're going to look at it and say, those guys are basically the same but Chad mumma is I, I think he's a really really good football player and I the two that. things that I always look at with with these linebacker prospects is I want to see IQ but I also want to see movement skills but you can talk you can have the best you can have the best athlete in the draft at linebacker but if he doesn't know where he's going, then it doesn't matter how fast he is, right? But the ability to read blocks, anticipate things, see what's going on in front of you from a blocking scheme's perspective and be able to anticipate and get to spots, that's where you need to be at that position, in my opinion. And Chad Mama is 110% one of those guys where you see like, a lot of the tape that he has because of where he's playing at, at Wyoming. It's a ton of misdirection. It's a ton of backfield action from a lot of these teams in college. So you have motion and you have sweeps and you have play action and you have multiple mesh points and things like that and he's able to read it all out and he's able to have very few false steps and he'll see okay there here comes the jet motion here comes the back handoff balls with the back I'm going to the pullers right and he and he breaks on it like this those are the types of things that I always want to look at for linebackers I know a lot of people like the uh, Georgia guy Channing uh, Tindall as well yeah. He's a very, very explosive athlete. He can go sideline to sideline and up the field in a hurry. Uh, he's an interesting prospect. Arrow is definitely pointed up on his development, so we'll see what happens with a player like that. So yeah, Clay
1: Walker's not there. That's really my guy out of Yeah, Clay Walker, Clay Walker not
0: being there is a, diff- a tough one. I, I, Jahan Dotson, the wide receiver from Penn State, he must have been an injury situation because. It made all the sense in the world for Jahan Dotson to show up to the senior bowl because the wide receiver group is not that impressive. Right. So like I said to you last night, like he would have looked like Randy Moss next to these guys, right? You know, I mean he would have looked like the best receiver in the class. I remember a couple of years ago, Nico Collins went to the senior bowl. Similarly, didn't have a great class around him at the senior bowl. He starred and he he really helped his stock. He moved up the board quite a bit. So I'm surprised Dotson didn't participate. It must have been some sort of injury or, or something else going on. But uh, we'll see. I, I think this is going to be a fun senior bowl regardless, even though some of the big guys went down uh, and, and didn't, uh, you know, didn't, didn't are not participating. But Alex and I will come back on Thursday. Alex, we're going to have Trags on on Thursday. We're, gonna we're try- not we're this week, not next week. I guess on, he's,
1: he's pretty busy next week. Oh, we
0: gotta, oh, I you know I keep forgetting about the freaking Super Bowl bye week. It's for like really throwing me off. I was gonna, I mean, we
1: can have him on this week, but it wouldn't it make more sense to have him on next week? Yes,
0: we're going to have Travis on next week to talk uh, about the Bengals and the uh, Rams in the Super Bowl. So we'll have him on next week. We'll do some more Senior Bowl talk on Thursday. Maybe we'll open it up and do a Q&A on Thursday. So
1: here's what I've really wanted to do. Can I pitch something? You can pitch it. I, I tried to get us to do this show last year and it never worked out. People ask us about prospects in the comments. Yes, and we we give our thoughts on them, but it's rapid fire, so like we can't talk from more than like like you give us a name, we do two minutes on that prospect. That's it. We move do on.
0: Two minutes on a prospect, you know, that's hard for me. Just
1: rapid fire prospects. I think it would be fun. I think it would okay. be well. It's that's a point. It's a challenge. I like a challenge.
0: Okay, I agree with that. q a rapid fire prospect style on Thursday here on Patriots Beat. We'll talk about some draft picks. We can throw some free agents in there too, right? If you want to throw a free agent. Oh yeah, in, we can know. do that
1: with free agents. I honestly have done like no work on free agency, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, we know those guys pretty well just from watching around the league and paying attention to the, the league as a whole. But we'll do yeah. that on Thursday. Next week, we'll talk some more Super Bowl uh, with Trags on, on next Thursday. And Tuesday, we'll recap the Senior Bowl for sure. And we'll talk about what happened in the game on Saturday. And uh, we'll continue to monitor Patriots OC, uh, Patriots Brady retirement nonsense. We'll see what ends up happening there. If uh, they make any sort of formal announcements here coming up soon, hopefully about some sort of commemoration, celebration of Brady's career here in New England, hopefully uh, coming up here at some point in the off season. And always uh, check out Patriots Press Pass. Please subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Can't say that enough. On Patriots Press Pass, on Patriots Beat, So we can continue to do these shows and bring you all this Patriots coverage. And we will see you guys on Thursday for that rapid fire Q and a, thanks so much for watching and we'll see you guys next time.